0: Another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and disruption and entertainment and media. Uh, I'm Joe Favorito with my co-host, the blue-clad Tom Richardson once again. Tom, good to see you.
1: Hey, Joe. uh, Look at the setup we've got here. Two microphones. In Studio B. I'm hoping there's going to be a noticeable increase in the quality of the audio.
0: And we are once again in our new home (laughs) at Teachers College, Studio B, which we like to call it.
1: Yes. Um, I saw that you tweeted that. Yep. That Studio B door.
0: Yes, the Studio go, B door. Very mysterious. Yep. So if people want to find us, we'll probably be locked in here like we were last week. <laughs> anyway, um, today we're going to talk about one of our favorite topics in media. Um, where media is going, what new platforms are out there, how you sell it, how it makes money. Um, how athletes can do better. How athletes, where the content is coming from. Our, our guest is Bob Siosik, who's got a pretty interesting background and is right now really deeply involved in the Olympic storytelling genre with a new platform called world's greatest bob welcome thank
2: you joe hey bob first of all though before we do anything else i have to congratulate you on the pronunciation of my name Ciosic? zero people get that right really yeah my favorite they call you well my favorite mispronunciation was seal seal <laughs> yeah that was <laughs> That's that kind it of actually different. happened
0: yeah wow you know what? We're linguists here. We're You know, we're teachers' college. Joe, Joe when teach. you nodded
1: to me to start, right, yeah. and I declined, yeah. it was because I didn't know how to pronounce his last there name. There you go. So. <laughs> so I'm glad you took and it. And
0: by the way, we have to give a shout out because the reason why, one of the reasons we're here today is because one of our former guests is actually on your platform, Julia there Marina. We there so. we
1: go. Hey, Julia.
0: Yep. Hope you're so, listening. Or will listen. She will be listening, I'm sure. So, so Bob, tell us about how you got to where you are and then a little bit about World's Greatest. And we've got a whole list of things that we want to talk about from your background, and just the media industry in general.
2: So we have a series called superdocs which is a short-form version of a documentary for our athletes. So I'm going to try to do that for me right now. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, You're on the clock. Born in Detroit. I caddied when I was very young. Went to college on a caddy scholarship. Where? Kind of quirky, Michigan State. There what you do you go? mean a caddy scholarship? If Is you've seen Caddyshack, thing? it's based on the Evan Scholarship. Wow.
0: Yeah. Really? Yeah. The I mid- did not George know that Smith Smith existed. Bill
2: Murray's brother oh. was an Evan Scholar.
0: Okay. Yeah. Wow. Brian Doyle Murray?
2: Uh, I think it was another one. Oh, okay. The Murray Nobody and Knows. And it was based
1: so. on your exceptional skills as a caddy?
2: There were actually a lot of criteria. Okay.
1: Tell, tell us some, I had quickly. to be <laughs>
2: top quarter of my class or higher, which I, which I was naturally. Okay. Uh, not really. But uh, top quarter of your class, you had to be an astounding caddy. You had to show um, uh, leadership qualities, and you had to be contributing to your community.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's very cool. Okay. So yeah. so you get the scholarship. That's a, that's a first it's basically <laughs> a. It was basically
2: a frat for people who were from the same economic background.
0: So was this – Because you Ma- guys had to be financially – So was this Magic players. Johnson era Michigan State? No. A little okay. later. My okay. brother was that era. Okay. Scott Skiles? Scott Skiles. There you go. Yeah. Wow. So, so you get to Michigan State as a caddy, and obviously that's led you to an amazing career in media. There you so. go. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: And fast forward. started in yeah. the
2: mailroom at BBDO in Detroit, mm-hmm. became a copywriter, creative director. I worked at BBDO, Saatchi, DMBMB, Small companies. At... But wait a second. You just glossed over the
1: fact you became a copywriter. You don't just Out of the become... mailroom. No. In the,
2: in the mailroom in that era, right. BBDO, Phil Dusenberry had all creatives go through the mailroom. I did not know that. That's wow. really interesting. But so were, one you, of my, were you honing your creative and writing skills? I was, yes. Okay. We actually built our portfolio. My original art director partner was Mike Pascal, a, uh art director who was in the mailroom. Okay. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. It was kind of a quirky background. But you do get to know everyone in the company that way. Right. Because mm-hmm. back then, you actually had a cart that you would walk around yep. the, the mail entire room. agency. Yeah.
0: And and tell a little bit about the agency life. What was the agency life then? Because this is, for people who don't know, they may not understand some of the initials that you threw out, that these are massive, massive now media companies, advertising agencies.
2: Yeah, it was an interesting era, though, when I was coming mm-hmm. into it, because the holding company kind of just started a little bit. To give you an idea how old I am, though we, we were the first company BBDO to use computers in our agency because we had Apple as an account. Wow, <laughs> that's wow. how old. Like we literally had. Oh, what are these? We all have computers today. Wow. So, but uh, the, no, I think the agency world is actually very relevant for today and young adults of today because you're forced to um, be kind of project and task oriented. So it's not just kind of unlimited creativity for whatever sake you have parameters and objectives of what we're trying to achieve, right? And you're in a natural collaborative environment, right? So that I think are the same building blocks of what goes on today.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: really things move quickly. You need to collaborate. Um, you need to uh, do things that are unique and interesting, especially back then in the automotive right. category where you're kind of working on the same business over and over. You had to find new ways to Mm-hmm. You know position and create and develop so um, any
1: memorable yeah. copy lines from back in the day, and clients really.
2: too yeah. some clients I've worked on a million different clients over the years. Uh, I think Coke was the best one though, and I worked on coke uh, at d m and b It sounds like a giant job. I ran all of the coke creative uh, at d m b but we only had a sliver of business yeah, I think from coke McCann had about eighteen agencies no, it was at the time where McCann had everything and oh, then c a a came in and kind of blew it all oh, up yeah. or Ovitz.
1: Remember oh, right. that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I worked at Gray briefly around that time. There you go. So
0: yeah, but so you, so you're at the agency. You're going from big agency to big agency. Obviously yeah, moving up the ladder.
2: So again, this is relevant to today. I always seem to be a few steps ahead of where the world is going. A pioneer. Uh, <laughs> a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Well, those are the ones with the arrows in the back. That's, that's Ray Katz's favorite yeah. line. Is right. you
0: know the pioneers are the ones who have the. arrows I like to in their say
2: head. maverick. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, uh, but uh, the. Uh, so at and though, I had it was kind of like the agency with a lot of great business going during the day on on Coke stuff, and then at six o'clock the real fun began because Bob had his freelance thing going with a lot of the creatives there. So it's almost like it started to get a little ridiculous. So I'm like, I think I need to open my own shop.
0: So what 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 were the the, the freelance thing? What was that like? Tell us some of the things you were doing.
2: That wasn't that interesting, but the day yeah. I started my own shop was interesting because on Monday I started. Uh, an agency called loose federation and by wednesday i had an assignment from espn and on friday i had a spot on air for the uh for formula one uh uh, grand prix of spain
0: wow so what year was i still
2: remember the spot i remember the music of this one what year was that um what is that um 1995 okay same year as yahoo i believe so before we get off the google same year as google maybe
0: the agency side Google, at
2: 98. 98,
0: okay. Did you have to raise, did you raise money or you just kind of went out no. and started your own business?
2: Here's what I did. Okay. I started my own business. I didn't like the business that we were working on and I said, I only want to work in account, my only criteria was accounts that I loved in in industries I love and I love sports. So I said, who, who do I want to work with the most? ESPN. I got on the phone. There was no email at the time.
0: Was it, was it a rotary phone or a push button phone? It was a push button phone.
2: And I, and I called the head of creative services, Who's um, that? um, Ron Finkelstein. Okay. And, uh, I said, here's who I am. Here's what I do. Uh, I want to come in and meet you and I want to grab whatever assignment you have on your desk right now. He's like, can you come over in 20 minutes? And I was at 21st and 5th and there at the time we were at, what is it? 39th and 3rd. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we literally got an assignment within hours, and we're working on it on that Wednesday, and that spot was on air by Friday.
0: Wow. Great story. So 1998, <laughs> and then the- – And
2: and then it went on from there where I didn't right. – we had a spot on air, a little company called Loose Federation. Why it was innovative was employee of one, me, and I would freelance with all my True. friends. Right Now it's kind of the model for everyone. And everyone's like, I don't get what you're doing. I'm like, well, this is how we're going to do it, high-level talent and my only criteria was great work, great clients. Mm-hmm. And uh but we had a spot on here every day for eight straight years. Wow. An ESPN spot every day.
0: And how big did the company become at that point after eight straight years? We
2: were like, I don't know, 5 or 6 million or so mm-hmm. in revenue and uh and it we ultimately I think we only had about 5 people full time, but we had this we would expand to 30 or 40 people at any given time,
0: shrink back down.
2: And then, how? Yeah, what were
0: some of your clients, or some of the things you liked during the Loose Federation
2: days? WWE. We did a lot of work. You guys are just right. a lot of work yeah. for those guys. Um, Still in the we... Attitude
1: Era, or after?
2: It was the era of just just at the end of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did a lot of pretty fun spots for those guys and some of their toy licensees, um, and we did some really cool work on that side of the business too for like Tonka and. But it was all kind of sports related. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finish Line, we did some great campaigns for Finish Line when they were not very big at all, Mm -hmm. Um, and they're actually a very big retailer now. Um, Bob, to be clear, the work was primarily producing video commercials. Producing commercials, commercials, television commercials. commercials, But we always did innovative work back then. Like even uh, We did this Finish Line campaign. It was when Latrell Sprewell had the contract thing going with when he was getting $10 million and he was saying, you know, I'm underpaid and all that kind of stuff. He was
0: at, that was when he was at the Bucks. No, no when he was Bucks? at the, the Timberwolves. T-Wolves. It was after, after we traded them. When was well, the that, that's yeah. when it
2: was. So we created this campaign that anyone can get an agent. And again, this is like, this is all pre... Yeah, this is all pre-internet. So it was, mm. our campaign was anyone could get an agent, even you, like we're targeting 15-year-old kids, right, guys? And um, so we basically gave away a shoe deal. That was the whole premise. And we activated in, I don't know, something, I don't remember all the numbers, but it was like 200 of their stores over like a three-week period. We had 280,000, some crazy number, 280,000 signups to this one promotion. And the most that they had ever done in their history was like 15,000. So they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. we we'll just keep printing these, mm. these little forms. <laughs> but we had a really cool in- um in-store experience where it was like a podium and people could take pictures in front of it, but there was nothing to do with the pictures. Like, there was no so there was Instagram. No, there was
0: no Instagram, right?
2: Right, mm-hmm. right. So it was awesome. So We did radio. We did uh, in-store. And we Pinterest? Did was Pinterest
0: there then? No, there was well, no, no Pinterest. No. Wow.
2: No, but it was always... So we always came up, well, it's TV-based, mostly an ad-based. Mm-hmm. We were always doing interesting, interactive experiences. All right. So um, what do you do after that? Now I'm lost after you say... No, the um, <laughs> the... At the time, uh, there was kind of a shift shift where I wanted to be more of a, uh, seen as more of a production studio. It kind of coincided with digital becoming something real, branded becoming something new. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I rebranded us as Bold Studios, doing the same thing. It was about that same time, somewhere in that time uh, that I I glossed over, this. I invented a, a research tool. So I'm a creative, invented a research tool, and this is back in... 2003, an online research tool. So my first question people would ask would be, how do you know it's people filling out these surveys? You know, <laughs> so, so I'm like I don't know. Um, well, but what was the impetus? What were you trying to? So find? So here's what happened. So it was in ESPN. So there's a slight backstory with with this. So when I was at Coke and we were launching all these products all over the place, I, at one time I got one creative brief for a launch in like 20 com- 20 countries, um, different continents too. And I'm like, I walked down, there were no planners at the time. So I walked down to the head of research and I said, I need to know how you guys write briefs or to the account guy. And he's like, oh, let's go meet with Alyssa. She's the one who gives us all the insights. We met with Alyssa who's the head of research. And she goes, well, it's basically focus groups and some other stuff. And I'm like, let me look at the other stuff. And I'm like, okay. So when are we doing our next focus group? And then I trailed them on focus groups all over the world. And I would take my big black idea book and I would... I have this, I'll show it to you. I have this giant book, and I would basically, um, I didn't bring it today, actually. The I would basically. We'll pretend there's
0: a giant book, there's I'm a giant black book, because so, everyone comments so, on my black book. It's wow, huge. look at the size oh, of that. that book. A it's a huge book. <laughs> and
2: I always say I like to have all my big ideas out there. So, uh, But I would draw, like, you know, here's the people in the focus group, and here's what they said, and they said, and I found there's a pattern. Eight people attended the same focus groups, no matter where I went in the world. Loudmouth guy who dominated conversation, right? His wingman. Uh, The Mute, The Snack Guy. (laughs) If you're in South America, you have to serve liquor, so Snack Guy becomes Liquor Guy. Um, There's Money Person. There's Quippy Guy. Right. And then there's the one woman who says something, and it's always a woman. One woman says something interesting to kind of begin to shape the conversation. She has a wing woman, and there we go. We found two people. So we would do these groups all over, but it was the same thing. These same two people were archetypes. Out of we did focus groups. groups. Yeah. There used
1: to be like a negative Nancy too,
2: or go. Debbie Downer. I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. next no. time. I seriously, there was always
1: someone that was like a yeah.
2: sourpuss. Yeah, as I recall. Anyway, throw, so, throw so, the so meat so, and sourpuss together. Let's do that. <laughs> that's
1: yeah, that's fair. So, so that's a good insight. So, so what do you do so once you kind of made that insight?
2: Well, uh, what I said was there's got to be a better way because when the moderator wrote the the report and there's this giant report. There was literally at what I found in the report is there's 28 people for a $200 million launch that we were doing. And I'm like, wow. what the hell? And there was a time where Sergio Zeman was a CMO at, at, wow. at Coke, and I'm talking to him about this, and he was like this fearsome guy. Nobody yeah. wanted to. T- <laughs> and he's like, Bob, who cares? We'll spill more Sprite than you'll ever sell th- with this stuff. Don't worry about it. <laughs> wow. So, but. Fast forward to ESPN, I got a similar brief that kind of was very vague and not giving good creative direction. And at the time, Leanne Daly was the CMO there. I'm like, oh, come on, Leanne. We got to do better than this. And she's like, you should meet Artie Bolgren. He's our head of research. He's a genius. Artie was a genius. I met him. Still is a genius. Retired, but he's still a genius. And I couldn't find anything. I I didn't know what I was looking for, but I couldn't find anything. Long story short, I find this software – I configure it for my world, which was marketing, advertising, in this case, ESPN, and an ESPN radio project. I do one little study, right? Uh, It kind of blew me away. I'm like, holy crap. We had 300 people. So like now I'd be like, it was trash. You should never have done that. But I go in to present um, creative for ESPN radio. And Leanne in the group is like, wait a minute, what's all that? And it's when Bruce Gilbert was the GM of Mm -hmm. ESPN radio. And they're like, can you do this for the network? I'm like, yeah, of course, yeah. I walk out of the room going, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> I can't do this. And I did a study called Drivers of Sports Talk Listenership that was amazing. We used it to help them retool the Mike and Mike show or the Collie Cowans wow. show. So I would find um, these patterns in um, uh, both in storytelling topics regionally. Again, they're a national brand trying to be relevant kind of regionally. right? So I was finding regional differences around the country. And then I was able to dive in uh, kind of further and further to fine-tune the product. And it kind of went, took off from there.
0: So you've got your agency uh, going pretty strong. You've got this yeah. tool that you own. Um, you've had some big clients. We talked about some of the clients. So then what happens after that?
2: So then uh, business kind of split into two. And this is in the branded era?
0: And this is 2004, 5, 6? Yeah, somewhere five. in there, right? Okay.
2: And this is where I started doing a lot of work with our friend Mark Beal. Sure. Uh, for Capital One, and GSK, and a bunch of Subway, and a bunch of
0: those clients. Um, Mark was my teaching assistant, my my, my graduate assistant at Columbia now, one of the co-founders of Taylor, which is one of the bigger PR agencies. Yeah, I think
2: mm-hmm. they're probably the biggest independent mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we're doing a lot of branded production work, Kellogg's and all sorts of big names. And then there's this other side that was basically me doing these studies that, that was kind of – and my clients started to become – abc i worked on all you know basically i think they found out about us through espn like being in the disney family and worked on uh, desperate housewives and lost and super nanny and all sorts of other shows and um, on the marketing side as well as on uh, content side and then um i kind of thought it was one or two and done and i thought it was like an internal tool to write a better brief but what i really started to find and, and i thought the magic as i was going through this was I had an ability with kind of right brain left brain thinking as a creative to bring the data to life in ways that other people couldn't mm-hmm. i mean i didn't know it until i started going in meetings and people were reacting strangely and i'm like no it's like this you know so i did work for mark lazarus when he ran turner sports mm-hmm. uh, and uh, jeff greger when he was head of marketing there and then when laz was um, president at Turner entertainment then did a lot of work for food network and um, worked on kind of the daytime nighttime time positioning at food network um worked for uh Paramount studios i did a few studies for those guys um but a lot of research work unearthing and more and more i think i was in a lot of ways i mean i was very effective with clients and making a lot of money doing that but i became obsessed with the research like it was like taking like i would do data cuts at night and i still do just for fun hmm. Because there's just so many insights. Of course.
0: That's, that, that, I was just thinking but, about that. We could do some data cuts. I, I,
2: I did one on uh, people who uh, just last night, uh, people who are fans of discus in the Olympics.
0: I was just thinking about that as a matter of fact. Oh, the Al Order fans. The Al Why Order we, fan club. Yeah. All right. Well, let, anyway, let's actually – let's let's
1: fast forward to, the, to, to where, what you're up to. But there were a couple of things in between that <laughs> yes. and where we are now. But let's do that quickly because we want to talk about let's, World's let's Greatest. I did, that quickly. A, I did a
2: lot yeah. of work for Golf Channel over the years. Larry Kahn was a great client uh-huh. of mine, one of the hardest to convince originally. But we're, I worked on all their biggest uh, – franchises uh big break and golf central and morning drive and they're still using my learnings today which is fascinating um but larry introduced me to a guy named john west who was ceo at whistle and on occasion i would have breakfast with john and he'd tell me what he's up to and uh it sounded kind of intriguing and they originally started as kind of a uh you know nickelodeon meets espn Mm -hmm. it was kind of the original premise and um and i think any of us would know that's not a great idea uh back back then and now and i think John knew it then but he managed to raise 6 7 million bucks and uh with the nfl and other um kind of major players and he was smart enough to say hey we want to pivot from there into new areas so i came on board and did one study for them and essentially at the end of that uh I unearthed all this white space for 13 to 34-year-olds in content with this study. And uh, What do you mean by that, unearthing white space? It, I found a gap in between uh, – essentially, I, I quantified Bleacher Report was a 2.0 version of ESPN. Mm-hmm. And somewhere between Bleacher Report and, and where Barstool is like a, a, a step in a different direction but forward, um, It there was – let's put it this way. In TV – there's about 17 formats, right? Uh, and meaning, you know, whether it's reality and the genres within it or comedy and the genres, there's about 17 different formats. In digital and social, there's 55 formats. Wow. So that's wow. one of the big things that's I learned. That's really interesting. So, yeah. so you established that um, yeah.
1: position when you when you built this research bit, uh, tool. Yeah. So okay. I, what I really found over the years is- what, what, are, what are some examples of the 55?
2: Well, at the top of the list is, uh, you know, Breaking news, and, and this is all in the world of sports content, right? Mm-hmm. Breaking news at the top, you know, live events will be right there in the mm-hmm. one or two. Uh, anything comedy will be super high, which I used to be surprised about, but I'm not. Um, for the One of the biggest things that we unearthed very early on in the study was um, dunks as, as a format. We put it in as a format, and it was like the number three or four format. Mm-hmm. No matter how I cut the data, it was... More for 13 to 17s, but still 25 to 34. In terms of actual recordable consumption or interest? Interest, right? So the question might be, which of the following uh, uh, content pieces would you you prefer? video formats would you be interested in watching in sports? Dunks would be high.
0: So So it would be home runs, goals, dunks, and then dunks always came out
2: yeah like slow-mo is a format yeah. mm-hmm. right uh podcasting is a format right, right? so we know i know that 18 percent of the total you know 13 to 34 audience are podcasts right it's it's a are podcast consumers but if you look down shrink it down into 25 34s that are willing to spend money on subscriptions it's probably like 45 percent are podcast audiences mm-hmm. right so it, it depends. oh i see uh, these
1: correlations
2: yeah right okay. so the, that's really interesting you know. Just to finish the thought on dunks, though, because yeah. I think it's fascinating. We ended up at Whistle, we ended up selling, I don't know, six or seven different dunk shows. Mm. So we created a show called Dunk League. that's still running. They just re-upped, I think, with Facebook. Um, but we created Dunk League, sold it to Go90. They did Dunk League 2. So it was a dunk competition show. We had 10 of the, 12 of the best dunkers in the world in the Whistle Sports Network, right? Competition series, right? It's a better version of the dunk contest in the NBA. Um so there was a dunk competition. There were slow-mo dunks. There was street ball dunks. There was like – we cre- literally, we sold like eight shows that were dunks. right? So it's one day crazy. I came in. I said, I want to see all dunk ideas up on the walls.
0: And somewhere Dude Perfect factors into this, I would imagine. And Trick Shot, mm-hmm. which, is, the, which right. is
2: one of the other big kind of calling mm-hmm. cards so of whistle. Trick Shots a whistle, w- right? within a 13 to 17 demo. Yeah. Trick Shots are like, like the number those stadium- three – those stadium right. videos fails are number two for 13 to 17 mm-hmm. so i walked out of the meeting and i said john i'll give i'll give you one free idea right here uh baseball season's coming up as the beginning of uh of the season 2015 i think and uh and i said uh you guys should do a fails a little fails compilation of uh celebrity fails on opening day pitches and they did it in two days they had a million views
0: so that wow. was um yeah. who was all the... form
2: it's just formats
0: who was the rapper who – Yeah,
2: that was – The uh, Mets, and I yeah, can't think of his name. That again. was the lead. He was the lead piece. 50 Cent. Right? 50 Cent Thank was you, the Tom. Lead in it. Yeah. Tom is this, is this it a in. published list somewhere? No. That's how I make money, Tom.
0: All right. All right. That... Well, we have to have a conversation because <laughs> right. this is really valuable so, so information. So the book is the book. So we're working right now. Tom is scribbling it out outside of the, the big black book that Bob brought in where we're going to do the book. All so. right. So our
2: book is going to be mm-hmm. called Gut Instinct is Overrated. Okay. What do you guys
1: think? We're done. Right, because I know in reading your bio you talked about you, yeah, I think the phrase was quantifying video production. And I guess that's what you're describing yeah. here. You have to say smart great well, but it, uh, Joe it reminds me of the podcast we did with WSC, automated mm-hmm. video highlights. Yeah. I don't know if you know those guys out of Israel. I don't. Yeah. No. But the NBA NFL PGA tour, uh, tour, using them basically using artificial intelligence to There's do a all po- the things company you, in LA that like does the they have same their thing. version yeah, yeah. of the yeah. formats yeah. thing and their CMS and mm-hmm. they can cut highlights yeah. through the software. Yeah. And and he said, I think I think he said in the podcast was more than fifty percent of the highlights you'd see from the NBA on social media are coming from uh, the machine learning from WSC.
2: Sure. Yeah. So anyway. So yeah, no, I mean, they I, may put you out of business. There's a put. Nah, they. Uh, <laughs> they were. I do think there's a place where creativity begins, right? And I'm not a fan of it. So, okay. but I think normally what happens is, as creatives, you go too far with your ideas, whether it's Hollywood script or like you write a script yeah. right and you go oh the script is done and then you go get an agent then the agent needs to sell it and then you need to attach talent to it and before you know it you have so much invested in this thing you don't even know if the log line works mm-hmm. right right so the log line one sentence description of what the thing is right. right people use it in hollywood i'm a huge fan of log lines so to me everything comes back down to content subjects content styles which is kind of tone and content formats and then from there i start testing log lines Once you know that, you know like 70% of your success is already kind of in the bag. Right, but Bob, what you're describing sounds a lot
1: like Netflix and Amazon Prime in essence using Michael's using better than
2: netflix i'm gonna say that okay netflix wow. is crap uh, let's just say this so, investor, so you, when you're investor oh, alert you're Joe, going, that's the headline for your tweet netflix is crap. all right <laughs> i'm gonna do we have how many do we have we have five of us here
0: right we have royce and tom sartney sitting in there, okay right
2: so out of us five go on netflix right now i'll go on netflix and i see right that first row of suggestions yep. mm-hmm. what's trending yeah I almost never click on any of those,
0: and I agree with you. I, I, there's a lot of things that I don't click on that they, sh- they think is important to me that aren't. So, I
2: like Dutch films. I can never find them on there. There's certain actors. Dutch films. So the I-X story. I'll, I'll so. go to like um, after the wedding. It was one of those famous Dutch films, and but um, there was a guy back in the day. I forget what they called the genre. Basically, his whole thing, and it turned out to be somewhat fake. But was you only could use? <laughs> you only could use um, uh, existing light. That's how they shot everything, but then they found out like they did sneak in a light here and there. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm a I'm a big fan.
0: Of, like so on Netflix, so like Hans Brinker
2: and the Silver Skates. I'm gonna send this okay. to you. You're gonna like this series of films. <laughs> That's the only. Dutch... you Joker only could
0: use existing or light, except it's really about dark. Holland. Then you have to put the light. On. <laughs> anyway, all right. So let's so so we've now killed Netflix. We've killed we got Netflix. we got through um, your time at Whistle Sports, which was part of their but their but, but just there, to be clear, right? Joe. Yep.
1: Bob, and we'll just finish the, the Whistle uh, yeah. chapter with this. Yeah. So you basically introduced to them this idea of quantifiable, uh, quantifying video production strategy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, don't just do random things. Let's actually base this on the data.
2: Yeah. No. Okay. I, and I had been doing that type of work right. prior. So right. I had, right before Whistle, I did two big consulting projects. One for Yahoo Sports, which happened to be perfect timing. Because Yahoo, I did a study for uh 13 to 64 year olds and whistle the study was 13 to 34s so i already had quantified all the older demos and knew kind of in a general sports sense that was all fed my knowledge although you know i can't use one client's data with another but it was all in my head Right. right so i knew kind of how to shape the study i was working on with whistle and but um that was I was doing that project simultaneous with, with refinery twenty wow. nine. Wow! So refinery twenty nine at the time uh, they had just hired Amy Emmerich as their uh, chief creative officer. She's now chief content officer. She's amazing, and they brought me in uh, within her for first weeks of being there, and basically I did a study that helped shape their uh, their whole con- video content strategy. They had very little video content prior to me helping. Fascinating. Out.
0: So, so we get now pretty much to present day, 2019, um, and you're now working on a platform that has been tried before with Olympic athletes in some various forms, um, called World's Greatest. So, how did you get to this point? And tell us what World's Greatest does.
2: So, let's start there, right? So, World's Greatest is a video content platform focused on Olympic athletes.
0: Launched in right. when did you launch it?
2: Essentially in January.
0: January yeah. of twenty nineteen. 2019. 2019. So, yeah. Two months ago, That's it been two months a month it and a half ago. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. It just launched, yep. and uh,
2: uh, and I've won, done one of my giant studies, seven hundred three thousand data points in this study. My normal study is about two hundred thousand. I was my own worst client, so that was a study I had done uh, last summer, and that has set the whole course up for how you're going to start to see content as it starts to be laid out, um, what we're producing right now. But it, the, so the idea, how I came up with the idea. Essentially, my whole career has been in and around sports, and I've met a lot of athletes over my career, and coaches, and um, and and I've done a lot of work with Olympic athletes, and and um, and over the years, uh, you know, not that long ago, I was doing work with specifically with a bunch of Olympic athletes, and it just really struck me that wow, these guys are, you know, like I said before, like sole proprietors, you know, mm-hmm. it was. Pretty intriguing. You think of them as being part of a team, Team USA, Team Norway, Team Sweden, whatever, right? But unless you're on a uh, you know a hockey team or a basketball team, it's not a you're not a team. You are competing by yourself. Whether you're a swimmer or a diver or you know freestyle skier, you know or a sprinter, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and so what I found the more um, you know, one of my partners on this is an agent, Paul Doyle. And, and even just talking with Paul and then meeting a lot of Paul's athletes, I really found that they're all sole proprietors. They're all on their own,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? And even with the, – and they have a great agent like Paul who's amazing. They're all on their own and they're all hustling. Like, right. So I met this um, – uh, one of the most decorated uh, female hurd- hurdlers of, of all time, Queen Harrison. And I'm not even sure if you guys know Queen. Queen is an amazing athlete. And has been for From the U.S. U.S. Yeah. and mm-hmm. for a very long time, and that's her real name, by the way, Queen. Okay. Um. And Queen, uh, I had breakfast with her, um, a while back, and she's like, Bob, one thing you got to know about us track athletes, uh, we always got our hustle on, hmm. right? We got our we got our hustle on, and so she has like, you know, a, a fingernail line, a hair extension line, hmm. a, and she's doing like seven things. She just married uh, the current. Uh, gold medalist, uh, triple jumper Will Clay. Mm-hmm. Will's a rapper and actually a very good rapper. He has <laughs> <Okay. laughs> an album coming out. Um, but it's so what I really saw is they're all sole proprietors. They're all trying to figure this out. They all have these individual brands. Uh, and not a lot of them get paid a lot. And mm-hmm. then when I started to research that, the numbers are like the average Olympian makes 15 grand a year. You know, and it was like, oh my God! So you have really that top top tier of, you know, the Michael Phelpses of the world and Chloe Kim's, or you know, insert whoever you want it. that. It's a, it's a tiny tiny tier. Then it's all the athletes who are winning, right? Sandy Morris and and you know Queen Harrison when she's at the top of her game. All, so all of these Olympians who who are winning week in and week out on the on the tours. Like right now, the indoor se- season is finishing. The U.S. Nationals are this weekend. But if you win week in week out, you might get a ten grand check, fifteen grand check, right? But then you have—I finished in fourth place. I was with one of our pole vaulters, Alicia Newman, in Boston. and I said, "Alicia, what do you make?" And she goes, 500 bucks." Wow. She finished fourth, wow. or third, maybe. Her pole
0: cost more than five hundred bucks. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, and I want to touch on this because I started—I mentioned this at the beginning—is there are there's the Olympic Channel, there's NBC. There are other platforms that have tried this, whether it's in genres like women's sports. We've talked to Excel Sports, Tom, and mm-hmm. some other ones. Yeah. Um, but you're coming at this almost reverse engineering. If we're they come up with an idea, we're just going to throw content out there, and we don't know what the business is. My understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you've actually identified a business because of the data that you have, and then are going to re-engineer it into building out a content platform, which you didn't mention. One thing is, athletes are going to help make money there's going to be a revenue share so it's right. not just a video platform it's actually yeah. a, a business so tell us about
2: that it's a business i mean yeah it's kind of a huge part of how we talk with the athletes and where i started from day one we share net revenues 50-50
0: and where does the revenue come from
2: so there's there's there'll be two you know to keep it simple two sides of the business one is licensing and branded content right and the other side is a subscription model rooted in how-to and training content right so Think of master class, but only with Olympic athletes. Our den center bullseye is that 15-year-old high school athlete who wants to get bigger, stronger, faster. Whether I play football and I want to get quicker, I'm a wide receiver, I want to get quicker my 40. Well, Asafa Powell is the fastest man ever out of the blocks. He's a pretty good guy to learn how to get quicker. Right. So that's what that model is. It's a little bit of a, uh, we're not featuring that first because there's a lot of work to be done in, in that area. And and a fair amount of competition too. Yeah, maybe not from the Olympic athletes, but like you know,
1: businesses like CoachUp and
2: CoachTube and things like that, and the free stuff you see on YouTube. Ultimately, what differentiates us is the athletes. Yeah, right. I mean, we have the we literally have the top 100 Olympic athletes in track and field. Yeah, right now, and sport by sport, as we grow, we actually stopped reaching out to agents and athletes because everyone's saying yes. Yeah. So we want to make sure we're getting the athletes who are kind of in the camp, uh, featuring them in content, and they're feeling good about what we're you know creating. Are you advising
1: them. them on on how they handle their other distribution opportunities, such as the social media platforms? In other words, I think advising is probably too strong, but and, but but you yeah, you have yeah, to have I mean, you you so have to with them establish a plan, yeah. of what content is being created and then how it's going to be released. You know the 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 nature of the yeah. the, the content, uh, the timing. Um, the direction, tone, et cetera. Does this, would this system allow them to still engage in
2: social separately? Oh yeah. yeah. We want them to. So think of it this way. And this is exactly what we, what we were doing with whistle, right? Whistle, we hit, you know, when I got there, I think it was 150 creators in the network. We ended up with about 400 creators in the network. They need to keep doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. So our athletes will keep doing what they do in social. Um, over time we'll advise more and more on what they're doing to make sure they're optimizing. Right. And I'll get into that in my research study. Um, But then we, we've already concepted, you know, I have a great group of creatives around me we have concepted 270 uh, ideas already. We have a bank of, of ideas. And out of there, we've pulled out our top 58. We've honed those and we're out pitching and, you know, to different platforms or brands. Uh, and then we have five ideas in production so it'll come back all the way down to who fits best into what content Mm -hmm. right and then is kind of phase two as everyone kind of gets used to how we're working with them uh, we we know people like hannah cunliffe has to be doing certain things she's a sprinter out of oregon who's very good on social and she's going to get a lot better um and she's actually doing a lot of live casting right now that's that's pretty awesome so we're going to try some new things with her but kind of one-by-one one with athletes, we'll start reaching out and customizing series just to them mm-hmm. as
0: well. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, Very cool. Um, in the, the couple minutes we have left, how do you – and I'm assuming it's is it through your research that you're able to go out to a lar- – bring them out to a larger audience to find these high school kids? It doesn't just happen kind of in a vacuum, correct?
2: You're saying on the uh... – For the paid,
0: for the paid, when you get to that point, how are you going to ma- marry the elite athletes with – the potential audience who will consume this and buy, yeah,
2: product. I mean that that part will be I don't that that finding them is not incredibly difficult. I mean, social retargeting in in Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. I mean that's that's where we're that's where we're targeting. Um, and uh, you got to remember too, a lot of these athletes, the base because they're all eighteen to thirty four. This is the beauty of this audience. All of our ath- athletes are eighteen to thirty four. They have a disproportionate amount of their fans are that age and younger. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the beauty of it is, and I don't think there's anything, any brand like it. They appeal to eight to 80 year olds, all genders, all ethnicities, Why all it? income level. Because you're an Olympian. I don't know. Everyone loves okay. the Olympics. Yeah. Right. Well, also you got yeah. that so riding amb- that wave. Mm-hmm.
1: Bob, that example we were talking about before where you have natural segments of, of audience interest, right? Okay. You have the hometown, like the hometown kid does, does great, right? College. And everybody in the town. Yeah. And then you have the college or, right. or university, the person attended. And then you have the people that are really into that particular sport, and they like to follow the best athletes. So there's the built in there. So the other right.
2: layer where this gets interesting and more intricate, and, and I had 198 brands in the study we did for ourselves. So we know how to match, match the right brand with the right athletes and the right content. But kind of this front-end strategic content strategy section of the study, I found there's seven ways that, that fans connect with athletes. Performance, attitude, effort, looks, style, game IQ, and personal bond. Wow. All right. So we know. We, memorized we're Real Real 7. 7. we <laughs> know. I've been doing a study like this for so a This, long you've, you've long time. this a is chapter seven. chapter seven. <laughs> this is book. the stu- I've done this, a version of this study in the 2004 presidential election. I've done it for People magazine with celebrities and people they find intriguing. Like So I've done this type of study right. over and over. I've done it for the NFL. And how do you characterize it the way you follow or what was the way you follow an athlete or like an athlete? or It's essentially, you know, um, uh, I forget how I've written the question for for the the Olympian study, but it's basically um, which of the following describes the athletes you, you enjoy following. Okay, it's a very simple question like that. So I define those seven statements with four, those seven categories with four statements each. So we have a rank order. Okay. So I know so winning medals is a statement we tested mm-hmm. that falls under performance, right? Winning medals is half as important as striving to be to be all they can be. Not just winning medals. All right, that's two times more important. Oh, yeah. So the medal count on NBC Sports is kind of irrelevant. I mean, right. yes, we need to know who's winning and all right. that, but it's not like the big, you know, trumpets and here comes the medal count. Yeah. And, right,
0: Qu- quantifying fandom is really what it is. Yeah, in a mm.
2: psychographic way.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's a really
2: interesting intersection of
1: of new research about fandom and fan development and how you handle modern day short form media. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of yeah. where where do you decide to put your put your bets?
2: Well, even on uh, so if you the effort totally. And if you look at our subscription model, it's not just because we can make a lot of money in a subscription model and there's high margins over time, right? Those are obvious reasons why, because that's a business. But from a positioning standpoint, it's effort,
1: right? Right.
2: Mm-hmm. So if effort's number one, what's the best effort we can put out in the world in terms of content? All the training, right? Right. And if we're connecting with those, you know. 15 year old athletes and the 25 34 weekend warriors through the effort in training, right. that's the beginning of a really strong
0: relationship. Um, in, in the couple minutes we have left, I have one more question before we get to our, our other yeah. questions, and Tom, you may have another one. Um, you look at platforms that are out there now that have launched, like the athletic, latent, you know, traditional platforms like SI.com, NBC Sports.com, why haven't they been able to kind of, especially the older ones, grab the space that you see that's out Even though they have live content around a lot of these things,
2: well, I think the what the athletic has done. I mean, there's brands like ESPN, like and I loved ESPN for so long, and I still have it in my bookmarks, and I still will go there, and I always come away feeling like I'm wanting more. Mm -hmm. So I'll go. I'm a Michigan State guy. I'll go straight to Lansing State Journal, right, Mm -hmm. to get my fix on Michigan State, right. But I think the athletic, what they've done really well, is that localized content. Mm -hmm. Right. They've found that that not,
0: not in video yet. though, and You're, not in you're, video. you're totally video first. Right? We're totally video first. Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: So is it all about my last question? Cause we do need to wrap it a minute. Uh, Bob, is it all about third party distribution or are you imagining some sort of owned and operated? Uh, I don't know. It could be an application. It could be a channel or whatever. Yeah. For World's Greatest.
2: Yeah, we'll have, I mean, they're, they're, absolutely, we need okay. that. Yeah. 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 It seems like
1: but right now, modern so, media so has to be, at least have that option. Yeah, we have yeah. to have it. Yeah. Okay. So, what
2: you're seeing on our website, world'sgreatest.team, is basically a B2B yeah. site, is what you're seeing right now. And over time, as we get a tipping point of content, it'll be a right. consumer. It could be facing, a Roku
1: app or it could be, you know, or Apple TV or, or something like that, right? Roku, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, it's, I think it's a really good are, idea and
2: i love and, this and idea way, of using Olympic, it.
0: and you have the olympics sitting out there in 2020 next year yeah so every I day know. that gets closer to the olympics mm-hmm. every
2: two years it's free marketing for us
1: yeah mm-hmm. how, by the way how many do you want to sign up to kind for this initial stage of growth
2: well for 2019 we've kind of capped it around 200 we okay. might grow it to 250 right. um, we don't we're not looking for quantity we're looking for the best we're looking and are you, are you for the trying to be are you yeah. trying
1: to get most sports involved like you're trying to be judicious and doling out your know, gender balance sport balance etc we, we do
2: will. summer yeah. yeah i mean at the yeah. moment we're probably like 70 percent summer simply because there's more summer sports well right. one of my partners yeah. is track and field okay. agent okay. so um we're we're heavy up on on track and field but we have a bunch of norwegian snowboarders um we have the uh all of usa nordic team on board as well so Dutch
0: filmmakers so, 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 that's right i guess. So, I'll get this link yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right um so so uh as we wrap here there's two questions we like to ask people um where do you get your information from and then this is definitely a startup obviously right now but you've had a long history of being involved in the media business what advice do you give people either changing careers or starting out in, in a business whether it's sports or media or entertainment
2: so where do i get my information that's pretty interesting i uh I, I, I subscribe to a, like a lot of newsletters, so mm-hmm. you know obviously the synopsis of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. I love stuff like that. Fortune has a great uh, newsletter that I you know we're out raising money, so mm-hmm. I'm subscribed to a lot of those, and it's interesting to see who's raising money and what areas you kind of learn a lot about yourself too. And, um, and then what was the other
0: question Are you uh, What advice do you give to people?
2: Wait! Don't leave well, the info question so
0: yeah. fast. So okay. newsletters yeah. only can be one. Well,
1: are really, do you, you listen? In... Are you do you are you active on Twitter? Do you listen to podcasts? Are you reading any? I
2: listen to some podcasts. Business I'm not a huge or... podcast guy. I've read okay. a bunch of. I love. Well, now you will be. Now I will be. Yeah. Okay. I have subscribed Subscribe to, to just be this Be clear one. about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it makes three. That's good. Right. So. But
2: I, I Joe I'm and I do
1: retail sales. Yeah, yeah. That's why we
2: do the podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm big across <laughs> all social, just simply because I'm. On it with all of our athletes, right. so it's like, yeah, that's that's an obsession. Okay, yeah, right. um, but my research—I mean, I was telling you guys before—I do data cuts late at night for fun. So <laughs> <it's>... <laughs>
1: doing data cuts late at night for fun—that's yeah, the but it's insight. So when Netflix, I go see Netflix is crap. When I'm I'm I go data see... <laughs> cl- cuts late at night for fun. <laughs> there
0: you go, <laughs> and then so the advice that's how i know by the way
2: that for uh in in shot putters fans of shot putters are you're smiling (laughs) fans of shot putters i want to hear the end of the sentence have the the greatest engagement rate out of out of anyone and discus is right there and then uh we know 76 percent of shot put fans are i would have guessed
0: triple jumpers for some reason but what do i know so anyway
2: they're actually pretty low. It's really? Yeah. It's because the fans are low on a lot of the engagement. The three say biathlon. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, that's only in the Trump White Biathlon is <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. 4% of the people. Um, And then what advice do you <laughs> oh, give to people, God. Bob? Uh,
2: stay curious. I mean, that's the biggest thing, I think. Um, people are curious and positive, and uh, those are like two great qualities. And I think if you start there, um, as soon as you feel like you've kind of sewn it all up and you have all the answers, I think you know, that's probably the beginning of the end. Mm. Um, You guys, I think, you know, you guys are curious dudes. This is why you have this podcast, right? Learning more things. Learning is the key to the whole thing. If you keep learning, you know, you'll always be young. Like, so here I am of a certain age and in my last job, I was, you know, running a, Department of 20 or 30 people. Yeah, I've, I've been in that Whistle office. Yeah. It's a little off-putting if you're of, of
1: our age, as you say. Exactly. <laughs> and,
2: you know, I was teaching a lot of the folks there what to do in social. A lot of it's driven by my, my research and data because I'm out on the leading edge constantly with that. But curiosity, I think, is kind of the key to the whole thing. Yeah,
1: that's a great answer. Cool. So, Bob, how can everybody um, find you and
2: find World's Greatest? So, website is worldsgreatest.team.com team. That that's team. an unusual domain. I like the idea of team. It's yeah. interesting. and the athletes, Even though they're sole proprietors. The athletes have okay. really bought into it. It's kind of ah, cool. cool. Uh, and we're World's Greatest Team on Instagram. And we just launched our uh, our YouTube channel. And that's youtube.com backslash. I don't know why they do this. Backslash C backslash World's Greatest. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's all about. Cash, maybe. But anyway. Yeah, okay. There you go.
1: So YouTube and website for now. And, then, and Instagram. And Instagram. Okay. And Instagram, that's world's greatest as well? World's greatest great... team. Well, I'm sorry, world's greatest team. Excellent. Cool. Um, and what about you? Would you like to uh, promote yourself? You're on Twitter, Twitter or, or email or anything like that? Uh, Are you, you not looking know, to hire people?
2: Not right now, but I okay. love meeting people. I'm meeting people all the
0: time.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, so people – Just keep this place
2: in mind. We've got a lot
1: of good
0: people. Uh, well, well, in. Studio B. We'll be talking well, I'm after at this. the Columbia <laughs>
1: campus in general and sports management in particular.
2: There's a lot um, of talented people in this world, and I'm trying to meet as many as I can because yeah. we're going to be
0: growing quickly. That, that's yeah. for sure. And your Twitter handle, one more time? You?
2: Bob the Media Czar. Bob the Media czar. <laughs> Cool.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: I like that one. Cool. Bob the Media Czar.
0: Well, Tom, once again, another kind of disruptive first look at a business which we, we think is going to grow. Bob, fascinating story. Really. Thank you. Thanks, For sharing guys. it with us. So once again, uh, I'm going to wrap up here. I'm Joe Favorito for my co-host, Tom Richardson. We've been talking to Bob Siosic of World's Greatest Team. And you said it right again. Nice Twice. Job. Open and close. <laughs> Bob, thanks for coming by. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Joe. And, and once again, this was The Cusp Show, and we'll see you down the line.